For Pacifica Radio, October the 18th, 2023, I'm Scott Horton. This is Anti-War Radio. All right, y'all, welcome to the show. It is Anti-War Radio. I'm your host, Scott Horton, editorial director of Antiwar.com and author of the book, Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism. You can find my full interview archive, almost 6,000 of them now, going back to 2003 at scotthorton.org and at youtube.com slash scotthortonshow. And you can follow me on Twitter at scotthortonshow. All right, you guys, next up on Anti-War Radio today is our good friend Hassan El-Tayeb from the Friends Committee on National Legislation. Of course, that's the Quaker lobby for peace in Washington, D.C. Welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me on, Scott. Great to have you back on the show. So tell me, what are the Quakers doing to get a ceasefire in Israel-Palestine right now? Well, this is obviously a an absolutely horrific situation we're seeing unfold. You know, I could tell you about root causes. We could have a whole conversation about that. But we are urgently focused on getting everyone to put aside all of their differences, whether or not they're Israeli, Palestinian, doesn't matter which side you're on. We need a ceasefire now to save civilian lives and prevent this from escalating into a wider regional conflict that costs the U.S. way more than we probably bargained for. We have been contacting lawmakers all over Capitol Hill, the White House. We just sent a 70-plus org letter to every single member of Congress, and our demands are very simple. We want them to publicly call for a ceasefire. We want them to work to protect civilians, both Palestinian civilians in Gaza, uh, you know, through, uh, you know, stopping this aerial bombardment, trying to make sure humanitarian aid gets into everybody into Gaza. Uh, and we also are working to protect civilians uh, that include the Israeli hostages uh, that we, we'd like to see returned home to their families. And we're calling for respect for international law. And that includes the Geneva Convention in Article 4, uh, which says you cannot, you know, use collective punishment as a strategy And I think it's just urgent that people get the message. I'll say that we're having, uh, you know, from the, you know, the initial attack on October 7. uh, And now people are starting to say, you know, we, we appreciate Israel's right to defend itself. But this has gone too far. This is not proportionate. This is not actually helping anybody. It's not helping Israel. It's not helping the United States. And you're seeing more and more members call for a ceasefire. They're doing that in a couple different ways. Uh, Tlaib and and Corey Bush, they have a resolution that has, I think, about 15 or so signers. We just saw, uh, uh, I think, McGovern uh, says, actually, scratch McGovern. It was definitely Jayapal and Rep. Cesar that just jumped on yesterday. Um, and we, we saw Rep. Uh, Tlaib, uh, you know, they're, they're pushing that as, as much as they can. We saw uh, Rep. Jayapal and Rep. McGovern, they issued their own joint statement calling for a ceasefire. And Senator Sanders was on the floor yesterday, uh, you know, passionately uh, pleading to his colleagues to say, hey, a- enough poor Palestinians have been bombed and-, and-, and killed. It's time to bring an end to the bombs and, and-, and the missiles that are raining down on them. 
and uh, you know, uh, your you know, Israel, your issue is not with the Palestinians, uh, 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 the Palestinian civilians of Gaza, and and we agree. So we've got a lot of work to do. The politics are very hard, but we're trying to create as much space as possible. Yeah. All right. Now, so look, one of the problems is the social psychology of the whole thing, and you have you know, the squad, the most leftist members of Congress out in the lead on this, which is great in and of itself and it's pressure on the liberals, but it also kind of makes it more difficult for people on the center or the right to, you know, sign on to the same kind of thing. So I wonder if there's any effort to get maybe some sort of separate letter or separate effort going for people who maybe don't want to be associated too closely with the AOCs of the house. Yeah. So to me, I'm agnostic on the vehicle, right? What I care about is the growing list. Uh, Rep Pocan issued his own statement. Rep McCollum, she issued her own statement and just saying, Hey, we got to deescalate the situation before this turns into a, a much worse humanitarian crisis uh, that, you know, impacts the United States, impacts, um, you know, you know, kills more civilians. So I'm fine with that. Let, let's get as many statements as possible. And if you want to do your own vehicle, that's great. I've heard that a few national security Democrats uh, are, are potentially working on a quote unquote de-escalation vehicle. I don't I haven't seen it. I don't know what's in there. But but that's fantastic. Right. Saying the words de-escalation. You know, let's move, you know, back off the ledge like a full ground invasion. Let's face it. We haven't seen uh, urban warfare, uh, you know, on that scale in, in quite a quite a while in the Middle East. And, and this is going to be horrific. The Israelis will suffer mass casualties uh, and they might be fighting on multiple fronts, including Lebanon, where there there could be more casualties. And, and there's already been evacuation of several villages uh, up on the, the northern side of Israel and that border. Um, so we we definitely do not want to see this escalate. Uh, and, and that's what we're trying to do is create more space. Uh, you know, we can do that through a number of means. I, I, I think constituents reaching out to their their lawmakers, their reps and senators and, and just pleading uh, and making the the case for, you know, we got to have a ceasefire now. Uh, another thing that I think would be helpful is for libertarian and, and you know, more restraint-minded Republicans uh, to, to really make the case, you know, if, if Palestinian human rights ain't your thing, well, let's make the case on behalf of, like, preventing World War III. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty simple. We, we need a restrained foreign policy. There's already a massive conflict in Ukraine. We do not want to see more fronts of, uh, of this escalation. You know, we, we just, you know, that's how empires fall as they start taking on too much. And, and that's plenty of reason on its own to try to prevent a ground invasion in Gaza uh, and to de-escalate the situation because the U.S. would, we're already involved. We have two aircraft carriers in the Mediterranean, uh, potentially more to come. Marines are coming to the region. Uh, and, you know, that is going to embroil the U.S. in yet another war in the Middle East. We cannot afford that. Hang on just one second for me. You guys know that I consider the Defend the Guard movement, led by the combat vets at BringOurTroopsHome.us and DefendTheGuard.us, to be the most important thing happening in American politics today. Simply put, this law would nullify the empire. 
by preventing the state governors from handing their National Guard troops over to the president for foreign combat without an official declaration of war from the Congress. We've made great progress getting it out of committee and even passed the state Senate in Arizona. Help support Bring Our Troops Home and Defend the Guard at bringourtroopshome.us and defendtheguard.us. And their director of field operations, Diego Rivera, teaches a political leadership class that is the most effective training like it anywhere. He's still a soldier, only now his mission is peace. So heads up all you anti-war vets, we've got a mission for you. Find out all about their upcoming training sessions and help support at bringourtroopshome.us and defendtheguard.us. Hey, y'all, Scott Horton here for the Libertarian Institute at libertarianinstitute.org. I'm the director. Then we've got Sheldon Richmond, Kyle Anzalone, Keith Knight, Lori Calhoun, Jim Bovard, Connor Freeman, Will Porter, Patrick McFarlane, and Tommy Salmons on our staff, writing and podcasting. And we've also got a ton of other great writers, too, like Walter Block, Richard Booth, Boss Spleet, Kim Robinson, and William Van Wagenen. We've published eight books so far including my latest, Hotter Than the Sun, Time to Abolish Nuclear Weapons, and Keith Knight's new Voluntarist Handbook. And we've got quite a few more great ones coming soon. Check out libertarianinstitute.org books. It's a whole new era. We libertarians don't have the power, but we do have enough influence to try to lead the left and the right to make things right. Join us at libertarianinstitute.org. Well, and seriously, you know, I just got off the line with an anti-war Israeli Jew who was telling me that the whole society there wants blood. They're just, you know, other than the far left peace movement, they are just, it'll take international pressure. And in fact, it looks like, Hassan, like the false attribution of the hospital bombing the other night. The reality is that it caused a massive reaction that night with the first initial reports blaming it on an Israeli airstrike. It caused a massive reaction across the Middle East, huge protests. And I'm sorry, I don't remember the guy's name, but it was a think tank weenie from the CSIS, which is a very hawkish think tank. He said, hey, look, what's important now is that Egypt, Saudi, Jordan and UAE. In other words, the four most powerful Arab states closest to Israel have all told Netanyahu, stop, call it off. You have to stop now. And that that possibly, you know, maybe likely is the reason for the delay in the ground invasion. If more and more there is a sense in the country and in Washington that, geez, we really don't want you guys to go through with this this way. I mean, think about all those tunnels, you know, urban combat, cleansing the whole strip. And this could get so ugly. And then, like you're saying, it could spread immediately to Hezbollah, to all of the, you know, Iranian-backed militias in Iraq. And then from there, all the Sunni militias got to compete with the Shiites for who loves the Palestinians more and all this. We could be on the day before the end of this war right now, or we could be on day five of a absolute catastrophe, you know, beginning like the Bush years, ending up with Iraq War Four or God knows what, Hassan. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And to me, you know, I did actually put out a statement on my own personal Twitter feed right after the, the bombing of the hospital. 
I didn't blame anybody. I said, this is exactly why we need a ceasefire. It doesn't matter. Like, who cares? <laughs> you know, uh, like, obviously, it matters on some, you know, theoretical level, but we need to end the fighting and the bloodshed, prevent this from becoming a war that we don't need. We, we have our own problems here to deal with. We, we do not need this, right? And I just wanted to quickly, you know, turn to the humanitarian crisis that's happening in Gaza. You know, we've we've seen uh, you know almost 5,000 Palestinians in Gaza killed, 12,000 injured uh, as of uh, yesterday. You know, OCHA estimates that one million people are internally displaced. I can't even imagine that one million people in that small area being displaced. Um, you know, that's that's including 350,000 people sheltering in UNRWA schools. Uh, in central and southern Gaza under really increasingly dire conditions. Uh, Gaza is under an almost complete siege, uh, it, total electricity blackout, the water is turned off despite what the Israeli officials are saying, uh, and that's because electricity and fuel are needed to pump the water. So yes, maybe taps are, are turned on, um, but the infrastructure is so damaged uh, that you need, uh, you know, desalinization plants and these water pumps to actually be working. That takes electricity. That takes fuel. Uh, that's critical. Uh, Israel has said that it will allow Egypt to deliver, you know, limited quantities of humanitarian aid to the Gaza Strip. Uh, there's a so there's a crack in, in the 10-day siege, but we're talking 20 trucks, about uh, you know, 300,000 tons, uh, you know, of of food. But I'll just have folks, and, and this is going to happen in the coming days if it goes to it goes as plan, planned. But I'll just say that there there were a hundred trucks per day before this escalation. So that just goes to show that this is not enough food to to handle the crisis. And Pal, you know, Palestinians in Gaza were already suffering a mass humanitarian crisis where eighty percent of the population was living on uh, you know humanitarian assistance to survive. So we've got a lot of work to do. Uh, we're we're hammering the halls. We're having conversations. Uh, you know, I think there's a feeling, especially among some of the Republican offices that we've chatted with, that hey, you know, this is out of our hands. You know, we got Israel's back. Uh, we we have to do. Uh, you know, they, you know, they basically are are running the show. And I think the the real conversation among some of the folks I've talked to is not whether or not they'll invade, but what the invasion will look like. And, and that's where they think the lines of debate. But the longer we delay this, uh, the the longer we prevent that full ground invasion and, and push for humanitarian openings and corridors and safe zones, uh, and the, the more and more Americans and lawmakers that speak out for ceasefire, that political space for that full ground invasion is going to shrink. And, I, and I'm hoping that cooler heads will prevail. Uh, and the rhetoric I'm hearing on the Israeli side is is straight up just dehumanization. Um, you know, and we have unequivocally condemned the attacks uh, from Hamas. Unequivocally. It's inhumane. Uh, capturing civilians is inhumane. The, uh, the atrocities that were committed in southern Israel uh, were inhumane and, and absolutely repugnant, but so is a violent response that's killing 100 children a day by the Israeli warplanes. So, you know, that's not the answer is cutting off food, water, medicine to 2 million Palestinians. That just cannot be the way. It's just not good for uh, the United States. It's not good for Israel. And that's what I've been telling lawmakers. I'm like, 
okay, you, you know, we, we know you do not like Hamas, but is this what you're doing now? What's happening now? Good for America. Tell me. And right. you know what? I haven't gotten a good response yet. Yeah. All right. Listen, we're out of time, Hassan. So tell the audience very carefully how they can get involved with the Friends Committee on National Legislation. You don't have to be a Quaker, do you, to help the Quakers fight for peace up there in D.C.? Yeah, you do not. I'm, I'm in fact, not a Quaker. Uh, but what you can do is send an email to your rep and senators. We set up a link. It's uh, fcnl.org backslash deescalate. I'll just say it one more time fcnl.org backslash deescalate that will help you get an email right to your members of congress we've already got 20,000 plus people taking action uh in the past week alone which uh which is fantastic we've got 70 national organizations calling for a ceasefire and calling for de-escalation and restraint so uh, i hope you join us and thank you again scott for all your great work well listen man i can't tell you how much i appreciate your efforts, of course, on Yemen and other, you know, Middle East issues going back and your work and your organization's great work on this issue right now. I don't know if I ever talked to you about this, but in the book Human Smoke about the run up to World War II, the Friends Committee are the only heroes in the entire story. It's just fantastic what they the role that the Friends Committee has played in American history fighting for peace. So there's nobody with a greater track record. I hope people will go to fcnl.org slash deescalate. And thank you again for your time, Hassan. Appreciate it. All right, y'all. And that is Anti-War Radio for today. Thank you very much for listening. I'm your host, Scott Horton. You can find the full interview archive at scotthorton.org. And I'm here every Thursday from 2.30 to 3 on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. See you next week.